All right, Julian back here with uh, part two of episode nine of The Resilient Entrepreneur. And I'm here still with Danny, and um, I know we got a little bit carried away. This was the longest podcast I've ever done. Uh, we could turn this into an ebook uh, immediately if you yeah, wanted we to. Do a podcast series. So many, so many mm. great pieces of information out there about uh, how you got onto Amazon, how you grew on Amazon, like how your products are doing. And uh, I really, I, I ask you to listen to this very, very carefully. You can probably save a lot of money if you just follow the steps that you just described <laughs> and can avoid some of the um, issues uh, that you have gone through the last few years. Um, right now, though, and that's why it was so important to me to do this episode right now, and I hope a lot of people can benefit from it. The only business in the world with coronavirus that still seems to be working is selling on Amazon. Depends on your product niche. So uh, I can tell you our current experience. Um, you probably heard in your in your own countries, wherever you are, that you know things like toilet paper and stuff has been flying off the shelf, and you can't even get it anymore because people are like thinking they might be locked down or there might be shortages and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, it's been pretty amazing for us too. Um, basically, uh, in January we always sell quite well because we're a health product. Um, December is always extremely strong, but the cost of the advertising in December is huge because everyone's selling for Christmas. Yeah. January for us is always really good because a lot of people back off their advertising, mm -hmm. but it's a time of year where people have, for example, in our case, Amazon gift cards, like millions of people around the world receive Amazon gift cards and they don't have money to spend. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that happens is New Year's resolutions. People are you know, wanting to get healthier and all that stuff. So yeah. January goes well. February, we're used to a dip and then March starts to sort of pick up okay. Mm -hmm. This year for us, January is very strong. February stayed very strong. And then the start of March just started climbing. And we were like, what is going on here? And, and to start with, we had no idea what it was. I, and I've you know, been doing this a long time. We're going, you know, our advertising got gurus, our marketing yeah. agencies are trying to claim it was what they were doing. And I'm going, no, no, no. I don't I, believe it, yeah. You know, and so I kept looking into everything. And then our sales started climbing by 10%, then 20%. And then in this last week, as they started making announcements in the US that, you know, schools closed, university closed, people working from home, all of those kind of things started happening. Our sales just went up and up and up to the point where in the last week we've gone from this point to 500% of that. Wow. So we're talking explosion. And it's a great problem to have, but it's a really hard problem to deal with because the inventory demand alone, so if you think about, I've got a two-man full-time team that work on our inventory management, and they usually work on, we need this much inventory for roughly four months is our sort of buying cycle. When we, when we order, we manufacture, we ship. We, so it's about four months. And we allow about a 30% buffer for sales fluctuations, so for products starting to increase and perform better. And we know over the history of our business how products grow and all that kind of stuff. But with something like this, where you go 500% or even 200%, all of a sudden a product that sells 50 a day sells 200 a day, your inventory lasts yeah. you know, a quarter of the time. Yeah. And so if you don't have either enough inventory on hand, and if you're a smaller business that's been growing rapidly, it's very hard to have a lot of inventory on hand at all times or you need to have a lot of stuff in production, but we're coming off the back of China's Chinese New Year, so that got and extended, the and the virus, and so a lot of the factories that, that we work with, they've only just come back to work now, and so they've got a huge backlog, yeah. so then you've got to produce at a slower rate, then the shipping's also tied up and slower and more expensive. Yeah. And so for this last week for us, I've, I've actually been you know really, really dialed in uh, to, the, to the business, particularly around the inventory, and so, 
what we actually had to do um, was we did a few things. We increased our prices, mm-hmm. um, and not to try and uh, you know just just cash in, but we had to basically factor in that there's a good chance we're going to have to air freight versus sea freight yeah. a lot of stuff, which costs us five times as much. Yeah. Um, there's a whole lot of other costs involved. So we basically said we've got to we've got to start to lift the prices to be able to accommodate that. But also by lifting the prices, we hoped that the volume would drop. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't. So we kept raising prices, and the sales weren't really coming down very much. So we actually had to either turn off, depending on the product, or heavily reduce our advertising. And over this last week, we feel like we've now got it back down to a level that's not 500%, but 300% of where we were a couple of weeks ago. But based on our current position and inventory levels and what we know we have coming in, we think we can sustain that. Yeah. But then the curveballs come in, and this is the thing with an online business, especially playing with someone like Amazon, the rules of the game change all the time. So what happened today, Amazon FBA, which is their fulfillment side, announced that the only shipments that they're gonna accept between now and the 5th of April, which is basically three weeks from now, is products that are essential like toilet paper, medical supplies, things like that because they can't handle anything else. So they yeah. said, if you have shipments already set up and there's things already coming to us, we'll accept them. But you can't set up a new shipment in the system until April 5. Luckily, the, yeah. because of where we're at in our business and we have a great team, uh, my guys were really, really reactive and immediately set up shipments for all of the products that uh, we were starting to look like we were running low or we were gonna run out of. Yeah. And so when Amazon made this announcement, just this is literally this morning, um, we'd already had all of the shipments set up. And so I don't need to set up more until up after April 5, but you hope that Amazon doesn't extend that. Yeah. And so- and That's that's US market right now. That's, that's or that, else other No, no, everywhere. Not. So the UK, everywhere. Canada, yeah, okay. we thought it was US and then within hours they all announced the same things. And okay. so, and, and, de- and it depends on the country on how much inventory we've got. And I think the lesson out of this is um, in business, no matter what stage you're at, you have to be mitigating against the future risks you've got to be you know i'm super excited about this great time right now because our business is just flying in terms of sales and all and profitability and cash flow and all these great things are happening but we don't know what's going to happen as a result of this virus over the next several months but you know sales could stay strong people could have done all their shopping and run out of money at two weeks from now and then our sales go back down then we might have over ordered thinking that the sales were going to keep going and so we're doing things like ordering more frequently and less quantities rather yeah. than ordering huge quantities and then getting caught out later with too much inventory and no cash to pay for it. It's, it's So you have super, to be flexible. Super exciting times. Oh, yeah. in, in, a, in a good way, in a bad way. Oh, yeah. um, I personally hate shopping, right? I really hate <laughs> going to the store. Me too. And I think most men all over this planet just hate going yeah. to the store. The only thing that I hate more than going to clothing stores is going to grocery stores, which I find is an almost an insult of you know, my personality as a time waster, right? So, <laughs> and I always thought that, you know, as I lived in New York for a long time, we started ordering things online, like in the late 90s. Yep. Um, and we order a lot of things wherever we go and we try to, we just, we do like grocery shopping that we like doing, right? You know, if we go to a little organic store or something like that and it's something you like, okay, we still do that. But I, I hate going to Walmart. I mean, it drives me bonkers. It's like a day trip and that day is kind of gone. Um, I always thought like 20 years from now, that we're gonna look back and remember those days we wasted our Saturdays at the supermarket. And we're gonna think about how stupid that was and how many nice things we could have done mm. with that Saturday. I feel now with coronavirus and people maybe being stuck at home for, I mean, I wanna say, but I think there's a good chance people are gonna be stuck home for three months, four months. 
people will get used to pretty much having everything delivered online. And mm. it's going to change the way we live and how we order our products even faster than we have in the last years, which has already created this massive mm. industry, you know, yeah. mainly one massive company like Amazon. Mm. Um, how do you see that? How many products do people actually will get from their home? Will they go back out of the stores? Or will this change consumer behavior? Well, I think in the forward? US that change already happened. So if we look at um, you know, traditional brick and mortar retail, it's pretty much dead. Um, you know, these stores like Walmart, now they're aggressively going after. So if you go to walmart.com, it's a carbon copy of amazon.com. They yeah. basically have built the same platform called at Walmart and they're following all their same policies and procedures. And we sell on all of these different ones. Sears have one, Kmart have one. All of these big chains are doing it to try and get their share of the online retail yeah. world. I think it depends again on, on the products you're in. So something like us, like a niche water filter, um, people are happy to shop online for that because there's all the information there. There's usually now videos. Um, there's all of the reviews by the people that talk about everything from the filter functionality to the style to this and that. And most people, so for us, our products, we actually um, uh, surveyed our customers recently and asked them why they buy from us. And uh, it was things like, you know, taste was really important. You get that by reviews. Even if you saw the product in okay. the store, you don't know what the taste of the water is. So yeah. you can get that online. Um, and so all the things that people like about our products, style, they can see how pretty it is. Um, the functionality, so what the filter does, we explain all that clearly. Mm -hmm. So our products are easy to purchase online. Yeah. Um, but if you ask me if I would ever buy a t-shirt online, no chance. Um, because for me, it's all about the cut of the t-shirt. Okay. And so I think there are a lot of people, particularly in the US, that buy lots and lots of clothing online, but they just return. So I think people buy 20 items, choose, yeah. keep two and send the rest yeah, back. They do their own dressing room at home. Most entrepreneurs or busy business owners, yeah. we don't have time for that. I don't have time for that stuff. I'm, not, I'm just not that interested. Plus, I live in Bali. I have, this is like the first time I've worn a t-shirt in this week. I'm usually no shirt and okay. flip-flops. Yeah. But I think... I think the rest of the world is catching up and, and it is evolving where more and more people are going to shop online. I think it's just, you know, we're at the tip of the iceberg. But something like Corona and all the people staying at home, I think we're probably, people that are maybe slow to adapt to online shopping are going to adapt quick now. I think they're, they're going to you force know? it. And then once you go there, you just kind of like, I see with my mother, right? Once you go there, you just don't really go back for yeah. the products that you like to order, whatever, electronics, things yeah. like that, that are... You know, you, you just know what kind of brand you want. You already have made your decision. The, yep. the core issue of, of many stores that people that, that we know personally have is everybody comes in, store's always busy, everybody yep. likes to touch it, but then they go home and order it on Amazon, right? And in our case for replacement filters, yeah. um, so half of our business is our replacement filters. So, every, every, you know, the filter inside this uh, makes us more money than the actual bottles. Yeah. So people buy the bottle, but then they buy the filters for a long time. And so, uh, this is what, another thing that we factor into our advertising. It's not we spend the dollar and the and the purchase is the is the return. It's the it's the lifetime value of that customer over say a twelve month period, not lifetime, but over a year. Yeah. And so, when it comes to a water filter, we have basically what we call a subscribe and save program. It's on Amazon. It's also on our own mm -hmm. Shopify store where people opt into it, and we just deliver filters to them at a certain time. So every two months, every three yeah. months and we charge the customer, so they don't even, it just shows up at their house. Yeah. And I think more and more consumer products, people are just doing that kind of stuff. Again, that's just um, the recurring revenue model, we talk about that quite a lot. I mean, I think that's yeah. I mean, more and more important. As you said, that's half of your revenue, that's huge. Yeah. And it's, it's revenue then that's closer to profit. You know, it probably should have a higher margin, 
simply because you don't have to repay all the ad costs and everything else that we you don't have, have first acquisition. You don't even customer. advertise. So we, exactly. we don't need to advertise the replacement filters. So that, that's um, where you still can make money. If you get it into people's hand, they love yeah. their product. You know, there is, there is a lifetime in that customer they just generated without having to add mm. the cost of yeah. the advertisement on top of that. Um, what I love about you is you're like a true entrepreneur. Like <laughs> you, you, you have the passion, you burn. I'm, you know, it's tough to say if you burn for your water bottle, if you burn for the process of selling things. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're a sales natural and, and you love the process, at least it's, it's my, my feeling. You love the different steps. You love to find out how it evolves and be on top of your game. It's yeah. just what I feel and you, you love what you're doing. I love building businesses. Mm -hmm. The thing that's uh, gotten hard for me is I find uh, once you get to a certain size and operational level, it's a different type of thing. So the, so um, the person that loves doing the startup and doing that, that concept, that idea, that first product, learning all the stuff, that's where I've been over the last decade of my life. Um, however, now it's evolved. We've got, a, we've got a bigger business and my role in the business isn't that guy anymore. Yeah. I'm now more in what you'd sort of consider more of a traditional CEO role where I have people in the business that do the marketing, the finance, the logistics, all of that. I'm basically in dealing with issues and strategy and, and driving the ship, making sure that we're staying on track and then a lot of number crunching and a lot of spreadsheets and all of this kind of stuff. And that's not naturally where I, yeah. uh, where I am. I am more like your fast driven excitable entrepreneur yeah. but as i'm as my businesses are growing and i'm also getting a little bit older i'm finding that um you evolve as an entrepreneur as well i think that's really really yeah. important but, but what, i love talking what, about what business. keeps you <laughs> keeps you so driven i mean you have six years you said you're doing this right now yeah on this one yeah and uh, obviously the hundreds of customers and and probably you know with some of them that complain and not everything is easy about it how how do you keep the drive alive and and, and were there parts in your life where you just kind of or maybe losing that drive to keep your business yeah. afloat. Look, you go through you go through stages. The thing that's probably kept me engaged is I haven't had a choice because um, I'm the big risk taker. So my personality is a risky one. Um, like I mentioned before, in terms of growth, we've we've gone very very hard. So every bit of money we've made, we've put it straight back into continue growing. Yeah. We've never really had much of a buffer, a safety net, any of those Fear things. Fear can be an incredibly good <laughs> motivator if yeah. you're running a big company. Because you have a big company, you have a lot of things to lose and you're always on the edge yeah. if something goes wrong, right? So, so, But I love being in that fine line between we're crushing it and we're about to go broke. We're crushing it. However, that's changed too now. I've become a dad recently, things like yeah. that. So that's, that's changed. And so I think it depends. It does depend a bit on um, your personality. But the thing that usually keeps me interested in a business is... Um, the new phase of it, so you know, as we learn, you know, right now I'm focused on our Shopify store, and so it's different types of marketing. Um, now the the brand building is becoming more and more important, and now I'm excited about you know actually paying off debts and putting money in the bank. So stability is it. So as the business evolves, I get excited about that next phase. Mm -hmm. What I don't like is being static with nothing to sort of focus on. Yeah. And so as long as there's something that's keeping me focused. Um, then I'm, I'm good to stay in it. And you also, I mean, I, just my feelings, you also have the benefit that you already live a life outside of business, which is probably very closely attached to the business mm -hmm. that you do, but that you truly enjoy. I mean, you have the lifestyle in Bali, you go surfing, you know, you're out in nature. Uh, do you think it's easier to run a business if you're in a place and a life that you really love, or do you miss the office and the dreariness of doing like more corporate setting. <laughs> corporate, no. So for, for me, this definitely this business has been much more of a, a good fit for me. So the, that sort of last business that I had, service-based corporate business, 
where I did have to show up at an office, especially in the early years, in the suit, customer facing, uh, in a big city. Um, yeah, I didn't like the, it's funny, even though I owned it, I, I felt like there was a fair bit of lack of control. Whereas the way it works with an online business, living abroad where I've got an entirely remote team, I control my day, start to finish, huge amount of flexibility. I still work hard because I like to, but it's completely controlled however I want. Um, however, that thing of remote teams, all of those types of things, they also build their own challenges. So, yeah. you know, you have to be self-motivated. You've got to make sure that, um, you know, you hold, hold meetings like you would in a corporate office with your team regularly to keep people on track. Um, your policies and procedures evolve as the business grows because your business needs different things at different times. So make no mistake about it, e-commerce is still a real business. Yeah. And to be honest, my previous business, I had to deal with one currency in my local country. Now, multi-currency, many countries, regulations, taxes, government changes. E-commerce is a big space. Yeah. Uh, you know? uh, but it's, it's a big misunderstanding for many people out there who might be you know, watching or listening from Germany right now. It's, uh, being in a place like Bali as, as an entrepreneur doesn't mean you work less. It just means that you're probably going to be working the same hours, maybe even more. Especially when you start. Especially <laughs> when you start, but you just simply the hours you're not working, you just have a lot more fun and uh, you don't need to make as much money to sustain your lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I mean, I saw from me coming from London or Los Angeles that I can work here and focus on my business with a fraction of the price, which also means I don't have to make as much money. Which takes and the pressure gives, off. It takes the pressure mm -hmm. off and gives me a quality of life. And um, so your, your daily schedule, you surf a lot every morning? What's yeah, your so my, <laughs> my dilemma is always, I'm, I'm most switched on in the morning. So I'll wake up between five and 6 a.m. naturally without an alarm every day, um, and my head's just on. So I would drive Monica like crazy in the morning because mm -hmm. she's someone who likes to start slower. So I, I wake up firing. And my big dilemma is, do I surf or do I work? Because yeah. I love to do both things super early. I feel amazing if I go for my early morning surf, but I also feel great if I start work at 6 a.m. and I knock out four hours by 9 a.m., yeah. then I feel amazing. So the way it works for me, and this is just the way I do it, is if there's good surf, mm -hmm. and obviously because we live here, we get swells coming through. So I might surf three, four days in a row in the morning, and then for the next week when there's no waves, I work hard. Yeah. And so I basically the surf determines the way my work hours work. Okay. Yeah. Um, you can say that, right? So, yeah, yeah, no, this is the thing that's cool about the online yeah. stuff. Um, and then when I need a bit more structure, like if I've got a lot of work, then I'll do things like go to the gym as my uh, thing, because obviously you can go to the gym, you know, 45 minutes, you can be there in and out. And, yeah. You know, so I'll do that. Uh, so I like to mix it up. But the thing that, um, that, that flexibility that your day is your own, um, and you can, you can, if you're happy with a business at a certain level, if you just want to have two products and generate a couple thousand dollars a month and live nicely, you can you can really just work an hour or two a day, probably even early on. Yeah. For us, we grew a business from zero to ten thousand products a month in three years. Yeah. You know, and we the learnings and the lessons and the ups and downs. It was it was a wild ride, but now we're in a position where uh, you know Monica basically doesn't doesn't have an operational role anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I have that CEO role. I could work an hour a day if I want. Yeah. I choose to do three to four hours mostly. I like That's to it. sit down and do a block. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, you won't see me doing eight to ten hour days anymore. No, no. You, eight to ten is like part time. If you ask yeah, me no, right no, 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 I'm a, I'm a, I, I, do, I basically like to work for four or five hours, yeah. three to five in a block in the morning, 
Yeah. And then by the afternoon, I'm I, I, I'm hit the gym, walk the dogs, play with the baby. I'm yeah. I'm I mean, listen, listen to this. It's it's possible to be incredibly successful in what you do. You don't have to like kill yourself and be miserable in the process of that. I think there's yeah. a lot of people in the rest of the world. They so if, if you don't suffer, if you don't hustle 24 hours a day, um, you're probably not going to be successful. Um, you know, I've also worked always maybe, maybe too many hours in my life, but it's not necessary to be successful. And what I love about it is you can be proud. You don't have to put on this this California show like if, if in California if you say that you actually have private time you're not working hard enough right you're yeah. not trying hard enough you can't yeah. possibly if you're not pulling an all-nighter as a lawyer then you're just not a good lawyer yeah, exactly there's something that, wrong with yeah. you well you know I think the, the the way we live here kind of shows a different lifestyle and, and a different conviction you can be successful yeah because you can be super focused yeah but also you're blowing less money on stupid shit so you have more time to enjoy the things that are really matter. It's one of, the, one of the things I love about being in Bali is um, the focus for the entrepreneur here is lifestyle, not things. So when I lived in Bondi Beach in Sydney, um, my friends and I used to feel bad. If you weren't driving the Maserati and had the house looking over the beach that cost three million bucks and the bank owned all of it, you were just in huge debt, yeah. then you felt like you weren't successful. It actually affected you as a, as a person. Yeah. Whereas here... I regularly surf with guys that look like they could sleep on a park bench. They, you know, probably not much <laughs> like me, look pretty much homeless that are worth 50 million bucks and they've got great businesses and amazing stories, but they're doing it for all of the, the focus here is lifestyle. And so I find it's really easy to gel with other people here and, and all that stuff. And I think you can, you don't have to move to Bali. You can find that in your own yeah, country please, for please sure. Don't, I keep repeating that. Please don't yeah. all move to Bali. Yeah. It's a little bit quieter now, but other than that, it's already pretty busy. Not everybody yeah. needs to come here. I don't want any competition in the surf. There's enough here already. <laughs> but it does make, again, coming back to that, um, as a, let's say for five, six thousand, you know, dollar US a month, you can have an amazing lifestyle oh, yeah. on this island. Well, for five to six thousand dollars US after taxes, let's say in a place like uh, Sausalito, California, something mm. like that, downtown Los Angeles, you're dirt poor. I yeah. mean, let's face it, right? It's, yeah. it's uh, and that makes a huge difference, and it lets you work less because you have more for yourself, and you simply get a lot more quality of life. Any moments for you where you thought the last six years, man, this is not going to work out? I'm, I'm just. I'm done with this. I, I want to get out. Oh, yeah. The, uh, Amazon in particular is really full of highs and lows. There's been a couple of times where we've nearly lost our business um, just because of something that's out of our control. Um, and it's probably one of the bigger lessons that I've had. If I was to do it again, I would have tried to grow a little bit slower and actually put some money aside along the way to handle the ups and downs because what I did early on was I always just assumed it was going to be all the good stuff. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and, it, and it's not. And so there has been times where I've hated having an Amazon business so much that I just am like, I got to find a way out of this. I've considered just not ordering anymore, sell all the inventory I have and cash out because we have so much inventory now that that would be quite a lot of money if I yeah. just sold all the inventory and walked away. Um, however, then, we, you know, you, you, you sit with that for a while and yeah, then you, you work your way beach. through it, come up with a new... You plan. So yeah, I don't think it's any different to any other business. There's times when you just you're hating it. Yeah. It's just that's just business. But um, I think the I think the people that succeed are the ones that are willing to ride through the good stuff and the bad stuff. And you know you got to persevere. If if you don't, it's just not gonna. And that's why most businesses fail. People just give up too early before the good stuff happens. That is the the big thing we talk about on this podcast is the resilience, the sticking yeah. through it, and yeah. and finding that kind of inner strength that kind of gets you through that process to get you up in the morning. So listen, 
maybe it's not Amazon, maybe I have to adopt, maybe there's something positive in that, maybe there's an algorithm change, but maybe I can benefit from that algorithm change, right? I've done it in the past. It's, yeah. it's a constantly changing world, and if, if something comes across from, you know, inviting incredible people on the, on the program like Dan, is if, if you're running a business right now, and, and especially now it's incredibly difficult times for classic businesses. If you're not online and not delivering mm. something to people's homes right now, and everybody's gonna stay home for the next six months, um, you're gonna have a problem, right? And um, so I just invite everybody, just find out more about how you can build an online business, how you communicate mm. better, how you can build a communities, because when things get rough, and there's a good chance things are gonna get very rough in the next few months, these are the things that will keep you alive, your spirit, your health, yeah. your family, um, working the five hours a day, staying focused and staying through to the rough patches of building a business. This has been super, super interesting. If you ever decide to do like a masterclass on Amazon, yeah, sure. I'm more than happy to, to share that online and everything right. else. I think it's, it's super helpful, especially for people right now. Um, what's your website? I don't think we even got uh, that yeah, one. No, we got to the brand name, but it's just invigoratedwater.com. Invigoratedwater.com, yeah. And you're on Instagram as well, same thing? Uh, yeah, so Invigorated Water is all of our social channels. Um, me personally, I'm actually not very social. I'm, okay. I'm not much online outside of the business. Um, so yeah, which is interesting for an online entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, the thing I did want to add to what you just said at the end before, before we go is being, doing this sort of online business can get very lonely. And so you are going to go through those ups and downs. So surround yourself with other people, not only doing courses and things, but there's mastermind groups, there's Facebook groups get into those communities and and bounce off other people. Um, otherwise, it's a, it is a lonely road. Especially my German friends, I know that you're very hesitant about sharing anything that's personal and that could show a crack in the facade of the things where you have yeah. open questions. But uh, something you learn about Bali is the sharing community is that we've got a lot of entrepreneurs here. Many of them have similar issues. Mm supporting each other, talking to each other, sharing their experiences, sharing the information. Not everybody has to hold yeah. on to everything they know. And I think that's how you, you know, you build a healthy life and a healthy company in the future. So much to learn from you, Dan. Yeah. This has been fantastic. We can talk all night, but thank I you know. very much. Look how dark it is. It's a beautiful <laughs> night. Let's take out the sanitizer right now. Yeah. <laughs> we just. <laughs> thank you so much. It's Julian, the Resilient Entrepreneur, episode number nine, and probably ten included in this as well. Thank you all so much. Have a Thanks great everybody. night from Changu Bali. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.